you help me welcome our dear friend, Pastor Jeff Lai from the church at Winder tonight? Pentecost Sunday. Any Pentecostals in the room? Any Charismatics in the room? You don't have to be a Pentecostal or Charismatic. We, we, we love happy Baptists, happy Methodists, happy Presbyterians. I just want to know, are you washed in the blood? Yes. Hallelujah. We'll let you be seated this evening. You know, it is Pentecost Sunday, and we were singing. I got all weepy, man. I don't... I, when I'm about to preach, I, I like to kind of have it together, man. I just want to stay in the zone and everything. And then Joni and the team bust out, thank you for the cross. And I started remembering. I might start crying again. I'm already feeling it. I start remembering days of chains, days of addiction, days of darkness, gloomy days, demonic days, sad days, orphan-spirited days, broken-hearted days, days with no hope. I chased hope, and I looked for it in every bottle I could find, and I'd down a bottle, and I'd look at it, and there was still no hope in it. And I'd down another bottle and look for it, and there was still no hope. And from age 14 to age 24, a decade, wasted my teenage years, literally wasted wasted my young adult years. I gave God every reason to look at me. I was raised in the church, by the way. Oh, I was a church kid. Oh, I prayed the prayer. I got water baptized at age 14 at Christian camp. So I went to VBS. I went to Boys Brigade. I was part of the CMA church. I went to, I went to all of the kids' camps. I did all of the stuff. I did everything that a Christian kid could do except get born again. Gave God every reason. I took his name in vain. I'd get high on cocaine and have Bible studies with other lost guys that were high on cocaine. And we'd be jonesing over the book of Leviticus. <laughs> and we would be so jacked up. And I'm thinking back on that now. I took God's holy word with a defiled heart and defiled spirit. And he loved me. And he graced me. And he forgave me. And then, of all the things that he could have done, about at the darkest moment at around 22 years old. Some of y'all heard this before. I forgive you for rolling your eyes. I'm going to tell you again. At the age of 22, God sent a co-worker, a fire-breathing Southern Baptist bivocational pastor, youth pastor, and I walked in there all bloodshot eyes and all jacked up and strung out. And he was just that kind of guy. He ever worked with a guy? Like within 10 minutes, he's like, do you know Jesus? Do you know the Lord Jesus? I said, I'm from the South, ain't I? Everybody in the South is saved. And so he, I did. I told him, I said, sure, I'm saved. And he started shouting hallelujah. In the workplace, I'm like, hey, 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 whoa, 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 bring it down a notch, son. I'm not that kind of Christian. He said he knew five minutes after talking with me, I was lost. And he made it his evangelistic bullseye to win me to Jesus. And everywhere I went for the next two years in that office complex, gospel tracks. Y'all remember the chick tracks? Come on, where's all my Baptist folks at? The chick tracks? <laughs> He'd leave him in the toilet stall. 
he'd leave it in the, in the refrigerator. He'd go around, and everybody got an hour to play their favorite music on the radio, and I'm jamming to Nirvana, Pearl Jam, ACDC, Leonard Skinner, and I, when my hour, I'm just, I'm ruining his day. And then when it was his hour, he ruined my day, because it was the Gaithers. One night in, on break, he took me out to the car, and I was at the, about the lowest point. This is just a couple of months before I finally waved the right white flag. And uh, I had beer and marijuana in my truck, and I just wanted to be in my truck, but he was my boss, and he said, hey, come sit in my car with me. And I'm like, yes, sir. And I sat in the passenger seat, and he goes, I got a song I want you to hear. It's by a guy named Carmen. I'm thinking, a guy named Carmen? It's by a guy named Carmen. I couldn't tell you what that song was about, but I can tell you on Pentecost Sunday, I had a little Holy Spirit moment. I wasn't cooperating, but he was going after me. And I broke and I wept in that car, and he got me to the point of praying the prayer, but I shut down. I said, we've got to go back on inside. The next two months were the worst months of my life, but let me get to the point. On August 4th of 1994, I was, he had switched to the day shift, and I was on night shift, and I was, I was leaving while he was coming in, and I was so broken and so strung out and so impossibly lost and so hopeless, just hopeless, and I thought, he's been inviting me for, to church for two years. I need to go to church, and I said to him, hey, I'll go to church with you on Sunday. And literally, and I don't mean this irreverently, what he said shocked hell out of me. He said, you don't need to go to church. I said, Lord, have mercy. What is about to happen? And he took his, I think it was about four and a half feet, by about six and a half feet Bible, and he just whoo, slammed it on the counter. And he, he pointed an, uh, an 18 and a half inch finger right at my heart. And he said, you need to go home right now, fall on your face, and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And he picked up his Bible. He picked up his Bible. It was an Instagram Reels moment. He looked at me, and as he turned, he's just like. I promise you, that may not be a tactic they teach in evangelism training, but it worked. I went home. I could barely get my keys in the door. I'm not kidding you. It wasn't because I was over, I mean, uh, strung out or anything like that. I was under the fear of the Lord, and I ran into my apartment. And I don't know. I didn't know what was going on then. I know what was going on now. The weight of the Lord was on me. The Holy Spirit was bringing me to that moment where I couldn't run anymore. And I fell down on my knees as a lost, drug-addicted, alcoholic, immoral human being. And I said, God, I don't know if you want to kill me or you want to save me. But one thing I know is I'm done running from you. And today, here's my life. It's ruined, but here's my life. And I'm going to tell you something. I never did another drug again. I never got high again. I never got drunk again. He cleaned up my mouth. He took that filth out of my soul. He made me a new creation in Jesus Christ. And I ain't ever gotten over it yet. I'm still as excited about it today as I was back in the day, Alec. He's too good. He's too good for us to be bored with him. Too good for us. Too good for us to be sitting around and doing church in these last days. 
Pentecost Sunday. <laughs> I got another story I can tell about my own personal Pentecost. No, nah, I'm not going to do that night because I got a message on fire that I want to bring you. But just as Jesus went after me to save me, the Holy Spirit went after me to fill me. An independent, fundamental King James only can't have hair touch the collar Baptist, amen. <laughs> Sit in my office. I said I wasn't going to tell it, but I guess I'm going to tell it. <laughs> Sitting in my office with my double-starched, button-up collar. I had back then what they called a power tie. It was made by a man named Trump. Anybody remember the Trump power ties? Oh, I just lost a third of you. Come on. <laughs> Repent to your politics, amen? It's just a salvation and spirit story. And I sat there and I had my Bible program open. I had my phone on Do Not Disturb. I had some Gaithers playing in the background that day. You see, that stuff works. I was reading my Bible and I just began to pray in English. And I was just doing my normal prayer, had a very disciplined prayer life. And this is for those of you that just maybe don't get it. It doesn't always work this way, but it can work whatever way he wants it to work in your life. This is how it worked with me. I wasn't, I wasn't asking for the gift of tongues. I, I, I wasn't really asking for any gift. What I was praying for nine months prior to this encounter was, Lord, give me everything you've got for me. And then I postured myself daily to receive whatever it was that he wanted to give. And on that day, I began to speak in tongues that I had never heard anybody else speak. And I had never spoken myself. It scared me. I went, I was sovereignly baptized in the Holy Spirit and went from saying, our Father who art in heaven, to saying, and then I did this. Because fundamentalist Baptists don't do that. But the Holy Spirit does. So the only reason I tell you that is because I want to celebrate my salvation and I want to celebrate the fact that I'm not afraid of the Holy Spirit. You know, ancient Israel, they denied the Father and went into captivity. First century Judaism denied the Son and hung him on a tree. And the modern church is in danger of telling the Holy Spirit to leave the room. You see... We don't want him here as a spectator. We want him here as the orchestrator. I want the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. It can mess up your song service. It can mess up your prayer meeting. It can mess up your home group. It can mess up your Bible study. It can jack up your church staff. I'm going to promise you that. But when the Holy Spirit is welcome to do whatever he wants to do, and we'll learn how to cooperate with that, that's what Pastor Philip Fields is hungering for. That's what the North Georgia Revival is hungering for. That's what I'm hungering for, and I hope that's what you're hungering for. While you turn to Acts chapter 2, I just want to take a very quick moment. They don't, they don't particularly like when the guest pastors do this, but they love me enough to forgive me as I do it. And I want you to hear me on this. This isn't a formality to me. 
What God has done through pastors Todd and Karen Smith, what we're walking in right now was conceived in years of sacrifice and pain. Moments of intense rejection, slander, accusation, being misunderstood, being misrepresented. This was going back decades ago, but they didn't quit. They pressed in because they had encountered a God who was bigger than any box that they had ever been asked to shove him into. And we're sitting here today eating from the garden they planted on a table they set. And we owe them a deep debt of gratitude. I love you, Pastor Todd Smith. I love you, Pastor Karen Smith. I love your staff. I love all of those that serve here at Christ Fellowship. And I love all of you that sacrifice at the North Georgia Revival. We talk a lot about generals, but there's two of them sitting on either side of my wife right there on the front row. And we love them. Thank you, Jesus, for Todd and Karen Smith. Well, I got about 30 minutes. It'll be all right. I'm going to open in Acts chapter 2, because if you don't do that on Pentecost Sunday, you get in trouble. But that's not where I really want to be tonight. I want to, I want to springboard from this moment in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to tell you two things that led up to it, and then I'm going to take you back in history to a man named Moses who had his own encounter with fire, not the burning bush. When we're talking about a voice from the fire, or the voice from the fire, it's not the burning bush I want to talk about tonight, so stick with me here for a moment. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Can I press pause? You want Pentecost? You better get together in unity with the people that you're doing life and faith with. If you don't get together in one place, and when it says together, it's not they were all in the same room. It's that they all shared the same life together. They were together in one place, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, I love that word, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all, can you say all? All filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, here we are 2,000 years later, and for most of us in the room, the sound of people speaking in tongues is fairly normal. A lot of you that are in the room hear that sound coming out of your own mouth frequently. But this was new on that day. This was a manifestation of the third person of the Godhead, God the Spirit, saying, I am now transforming my followers, the followers of Jesus Christ. I am doing something within them that will never be undone. They were baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ. But it was more than that. It was an impartation of the Spirit dwelling not only within them, but upon them. There's a little Greek word called epi, and it talks about being upon. So the Spirit is not just in us and Thank God that he is, because Paul said to the church at Rome, if you don't have the spirit, you're none of his. And by definition, if you walk that backwards, it means this. Everybody that is his has the spirit. 
So I, I, wanna, I just want to coach my, my Pentecostal charismatic friends for a moment. Quit telling your Baptist friends that they don't have the Holy Spirit because they don't speak in tongues. Because Paul would say, I'm going to shot block that bad doctrine out of you. What they don't have is the gift of tongues, but it doesn't mean that they don't have the Holy Spirit. And so when this began to happen, it had a sound manifestation, a sound of rushing mighty wind. And it had a, a visual manifestation. They had dancing tongues of flame. We don't even know what that means. Like, you can look it up, Google that, and you'll see everybody's idea what that might have looked like. The fact of the matter is, is that when Luke wrote it, he's telling people the best language he can describe is that the people had something over their head in the shape, perhaps, of a tongue, but it was a flame. So it was visible, it was auditory, and then it became verbal because the tongue that danced above them, the fire, somehow got inside of them. And they began to speak in languages that they had never learned before. And that's Pentecost. That's the Christian view of Pentecost. I'll let somebody with a little better background tell you one day about the Jewish feast of Pentecost. That's not pertinent for what we're doing tonight. But I want to say this because it is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost is about the presence of God and the power of God. And when I think of Pentecost, it's about God's nearness and God's might. And Pentecost Christianity means we prioritize both the voice of God, his nearness, his proximity, and the flame of God, his power. And in, in our lives, when the voice of God and the flame of God become normal in our lives, when the communication of God and the combustion of God start hitting our lives. And when we learn how to steward that individually and we learn how to steward that corporately, that's the type of Christianity that will revolutionize the United States of America. Our Bible studies absent of the Holy Spirit aren't going to do it. And our falling on the floor, flopping around meetings without the Word of God aren't going to do it. What we need is that, that communication, the word, and that combustion, the flame. And when that begins to be our lives, and when we stop being lazy, pursuing only one half of that equation while rejecting the other half of it, I'm going to tell you, when we start saying, I want it all, I want the truth and I want the torch. I want the faith and I want the flame. I want the presence. I want the power. I want the word. And I want the fire. When we decide we're going to be that kind of people again, guess who we're going to look like? The first century church. So I want to, I want to release something in the room tonight that I think is going to help people. And if I can get through it in about the next 20 minutes, then this is what I want to do. I'm going to call up group A for baptisms. And while group A is getting ready, my prayer is that they're going to have some of what I'm going to share and more in these pools. And then while their group A are getting ready, I want the CFC altar ministry team to get ready because I believe God's going to do some work right down here. And some people are going to get some help tonight. I'm here to encourage you tonight. I know I'm intense, but unclench for a minute because I'm your friend. Two things, only two points. The voice before the fire and the fire before the voice. 
Let's talk about the voice before the fire. Pentecost, go back three years. There's a wild-eyed prophet who wears weird clothes and has a weird diet. His name's John. He's known as the baptizer. Nobody had heard a fresh rhema word from the Lord in four centuries at that time. Heaven seemed to have been silent. No sanctioned prophet, no prophetic word. And then God began to move. And one little family, one mama, a virgin, would bring forth the Messiah. Another mother, who was well beyond childbearing age, would bring forth the forerunner. And John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And one day, he's out baptizing, and he's challenging the religious status quo. When, when Pastor Todd, or Pastor Don Allen, or Pastor Bishop Lance, or Pastor David Edmondson, or Pastor Robbie Mathis, or Pastor Derek Snodgrass, stand up here whether it's Pastor Kuhn or Pastor Marty or somebody else, and they stand up here and they tell us status quo Christianity is a nuisance to the Almighty. They're not the first ones that did it because John the Baptist once said, stop boxing in Yahweh with your religiously robed and wrapped gift boxes because he doesn't fit in there. He told the Pharisees and the scribes, you're a bunch of snakes. Somebody would say, that's spiritual abuse. That's not right. You can't say those kind of things. You've heard our feelings. John, we've been here longer than you. And John's over there eating a head off a locust and throwing back some honey. He says, I don't care. I'm bringing the word of the Lord, and you're all a bunch of snakes. Repent, because the kingdom of God is at hand. That, we put that under the category, how not to build a church. Amen. But the crowds kept coming. Even the Romans showed up a few times. The soldiers. The Pharisees came to pick a fight, but the common man came out there and said, just give us the word of the Lord, John. Just give us the word of the Lord. And here's part of the word that he gave out of Matthew 3.11. I think this will be up on the screen. John said one day to the crowd, I'm baptizing you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I am, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. Now watch this. It's a promise. He says, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, I was always taught in Bible school and seminary, I conflated those two things. I said, well, to have the Holy Spirit is to have the fire of God. So I made the two things that John's talking about into one. And as I made them one, I ignored the second half of it because I knew I had the Holy Spirit. I wasn't interested in the fire. I thought, the, you know, it's like if you buy a new car, you get the tires. That's kind of the way I thought. If I have the Holy Spirit, I must have the fire, except one problem was is I didn't have the fire. So John is saying here three years before Jesus comes, three years, excuse me, three years before Pentecost comes, he's saying, I want you to know, crowd, I'm not the Messiah. I know y'all have been asking. I'm not him. I don't even have the, the, the qualifications to, to buckle his sandals. But he's coming after me, and I'm going to tell you something. The water baptism is good for repentance, but this one's going to immerse you in the Holy Ghost and is going to immerse you in fire. Now, I'm just going to ask a question because here we are 2,000 years later. And I'm going to ask you, do you consider that a promise for the people that were gathered around John that day only? 
Is that, a, is that a kingdom principle or was it just, well, contextually, Jeff, there were just a several people that were there that day. And John was speaking very particularly about Jesus coming. And that all took place on Pentecost. And we don't need to look for anything beyond just the receiving of the Holy Ghost at the moment you're saved. There's a Hebrew word for that. <laughs> Y'all going to have to clean this. I just want to ask, because somebody asked me a long time ago, do you have the fire of the Holy Spirit? Do you have the light and the heat? Because that's what fire produces. Not does the Holy Spirit live within you, because that's settled theologically. That's in the word. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. But have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? You see... The Holy Spirit, when you got saved, baptized you into Jesus. But that's not what John said would happen. John said, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And again, we conflate those two things and make them one experience. And you're not allowed to do that. Because they're two distinct activities that happen. And so I was in the kingdom eight years before I ever experienced the fire. It didn't mean I wasn't zealous. It didn't mean that I wasn't sincere. It doesn't, didn't mean that I hadn't been delivered. I already told you all of that. But the ministry I was doing was by my own strength, by my own sense of whether I felt worthy to step into a pulpit because I had been good that week. And I leaned upon me. I, I went around singing to myself, lean on me. When I'm not strong, I'm going to be my own friend. I'll help me carry on. And all I did was lean on Jeff and lean on. It wasn't podcast back then. It was cassette tapes. That's right. I'm old. And I'm just leaning on my training and leaning on my denomination and leaning on my natural gifts and even leaning on, on the ability to speak and leaning on how to move an audience and leaning on how to do church growth and leaning on how to uh, um, expositionally preach. I was doing all these things, but I didn't know I was doing it apart from the fire until the fire came. Isn't it amazing that God will so grace us that even when we're trying sincerely to honor him, and it happens to be in our own resources, he says, you don't know what you're missing, but I'm still going to bless you at that level. But I'm not going to leave you at that level. I'm going to bring you into something more. So the voice came from John the Baptist. It was a word of promise about the coming fire. But the fire still hadn't come. So I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking if I'm in the crowd that day and John's preaching about Jesus baptizing me with the Holy Ghost and fire. And let's say I follow Jesus and I watch Jesus heal people. And I watch some of his disciples heal people. And I watch them cast out demons. And I see regenerating miracles with limbs growing back or warts falling off. And I'm watching and I'm thinking, that's awesome. Where's that fire I was promised? Not watching others move in power, but where's that thing that John said Jesus would give me? And a year goes by, no fire because no Pentecost yet. 
And two years goes by, and I'm still following Jesus back, back 2,000 years ago. And I'm thinking, that fire, I, I, I know that was a prophet sent from God. He came in the power and the spirit of Elijah. And he said that this one, the Messiah, is going to baptize me in Holy Ghost and fire. But it hadn't happened yet. And then three years, I'm thinking, this has got to be the year. This has got to be the year. The people are saying, um, um, Hosanna to the king. Blessed is the one that comes in the name of the Lord. And they're laying down palm branches. And he's going to be our savior. And we're going to topple Rome. And that's when I'm going to get that Holy Ghost promise and fire. And a week later, they're, they're nailing him to a tree. And I'm thinking, he's dead. And I didn't get that thing that I was promised. Now, the good news is, is that three days later, he's not dead anymore. Y'all don't have to get happy about that, but I do enjoy that, that component of the gospel. That's actually, that's actually like really, 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 really good news. So we're following him. For 40 days, he's showing himself alive by many infallible proofs. He says to some, put your hand in my side. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's me. I'm here. He sits down with others and he says, let's have some fish. He meets up with a couple on the Emmaus Road and gives them a Bible expositional lesson about all things pertaining to who he was. And then at the very moment when they start saying, oh, it's him, boom, he disappears. And they're like, did not our hearts burn within us? Burning the beginning of fire. And then on the day that he ascended, there's a word about patience for the coming fire. And Jesus himself gives it. So he's 40 days and he's about to leave planet Earth. He's about to ascend back to the Father. By the way, just real quick. Can you allow yourself to get happy when you think about Jesus in that moment finally getting to go back home to the Father? I love that. The one who went through that, that humbling of himself, putting on the form of the servant and dying, sweating blood in the garden and then dying on the cross and rising again and still hanging out for 40 days saying, y'all get ready. And then he gets to ascend back to his father's side. That's where he is today, by the way. And I just want to remind some of you that feel forgotten. He's been praying for you today. He ever lives to make intercession for you. But before he left, he said this in Luke 24. This should be up on the screen too. He says, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things. Watch verse 49. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city. Wait in the city. Linger in the city. Tarry in the city until... You're clothed with power from on high. John says he's going to immerse you in Holy Ghost and fire. Three and a half years later, Jesus says, I've done everything I needed to do. Now I'm going back to the Father. Here's what I want you to do. You go to Jerusalem and you wait for it. And I would have been like, <clears throat> wait for what? And Jesus just says, wait till you're clothed with power. You'll know it when it happens. And then I would have said, how long I got to wait? And Jesus would have said, I already told you, until 
you're clothed with power from on high. He ascends back to the Father. They go into Jerusalem and they find a room. It's on the top floor of somebody's house. Day number one, because they didn't have Acts chapter two. They didn't understand it was going to be 10 days. So put yourself in their sandals for a moment. Day number one. All right, we're all here. Hallelujah. He's amazing. Did y'all see him lift off the, the, the hillside? Did you see him? Go, and the angels, the angels talked to us. It was awesome. Now, guys, we just need to pray for a little bit because he said something was going to happen. So everybody start praying. And they're praying. And if they're like me, they're praying and praying. And an hour goes by, they're like, Peter, quit peeking. Keep praying, bro. Come on. And they're praying and they're praying. And so if the whole day goes by. And you know how it works when you get a delay on your breakthrough. You, you don't want to speak death. Don't speak death over that. Don't speak death. It'll happen tomorrow in the name of Jesus. Day number two comes by. Everybody's in the prayer. They're all in one accord. By the way, isn't it amazing? Ten days together. And nobody got out of fellowship. That right there is a miracle. That's a miracle, man. Ten days? Bunch of Christians? And three days goes by. Ain't nothing happening. Peter, you feeling anything? I ain't feeling nothing, John. I got nothing. James? No, I'm sorry. Thomas? I doubt it's going to happen. You're going to get no breakthrough up in here. Six days go by. Seven days. Nothing. Praying, waiting, enduring, trusting, believing. They had the word, but not yet the fire. The word was given. John the Baptist gave it three and a half years earlier. Jesus gave an echo of it. And then comes that ninth day. And they're like closing up the, the room. The ninth prayer meeting comes to an end. And they're like, see you tomorrow. Day 10, 120 of them show back up. Nobody knew it was going to be that day. They just did what he told them to do. You may find this interesting. You might not. Caneo students, year four, hit me on this one right here. The Greek word translated in Luke 24, go and stay, is the same Greek word translated in Acts 2.3 that says the flames rested above their head. Here's what I get with that. When you rest in him, he'll rest upon you eventually. And on day number 10, a locomotive sound blows through the room, blows the shutters wide open. Wind moves through there, fire, sound, roaring. And all of a sudden, a bunch of 10 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning, Christians stumble downstairs from the upper room, come out into the city streets where all the Pentecost pilgrims are gathered for the Jerusalem feast. And they are speaking the wonderful works of God in languages that they've never learned to the extent that the Jews Jewish people that were there for the festivals are saying, the Christians are drunk in the morning. And Peter, Pastor Marty touched on this earlier. It was brilliant. 
Peter, stumbling, bumbling, shoe leather in his mouth because he always stuck his foot in there. He's, he's just, he's a mess. But not on that day. And he stands up and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ and thousands are cut to the heart. Aren't you glad on day nine they didn't quit renting the room? Aren't you glad on day number nine they didn't say, we've been at this too long. We must have misunderstood the word that came. Aren't you glad on day number nine nobody bailed out? Aren't you glad on day number nine when maybe they were tempted to pray in the flesh, at least they didn't walk out the door in the flesh? Because on day number 10, God said it's going to be Pentecost. It's going to happen on the 50th day after the resurrection. And here comes the power of the Holy Spirit. You had the voice, now you get the flesh. Why am I telling you all this? Because some of y'all got the word in the way back and you quit looking for the flame to follow because the flame didn't come on day one or year one or day five or year five or day number 10 or decade, number one, that flame didn't come, so you did what a lot of Christians shouldn't do. And I'm going to tell you, the guy preaching to you has done it. When the flame didn't come right on the heels of the word, we reinterpret the word to excuse the absence of the flame. Do you get that? I hope I can say it again. When the flame doesn't come in our timetable, we reinterpret the word we got about the flame to excuse the absence of the flame. When all the Lord was saying was, no, I was actually training you to wait on me. How many of you are glad that you waited? Some of you in the room can stand up right now and say, I'm glad I waited. Some of you can stand up and say, it was a long way. It was a breaking way. It was an exhausting way. It was a smothering way. There were moments where I wavered while I waited. But there is that wonderful thing called endurance empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when you waited upon the Lord, fire came and your strength was renewed like the eagles. Sometimes the word comes before the fire. And sometimes, if I can shift quickly to Moses, sometimes the fire comes before the word. I'm going to read to you a verse from Acts 19 and then a few verses from Acts 24. This is going back way back in time. This doesn't really have anything to do with our view of Pentecost, but it has something to do with this principle. You can wait on the fire, but sometimes the fire is all around you, but you're not getting the word. Moses had some experience like that. Exodus 19:18 reveals to us God's fire over an entire people says, now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because Yahweh had descended on it in fire. Would you say fire? fire? The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. The writer of Hebrews would reference this, and he'd say in chapter number 12 and verse 29, our God is a consuming fire. Moses, Moses may have been one of those that had gotten the word and gave up on it.
because the fire didn't come in time. Remember, he thought he would be the deliverer of the people of Israel from Egypt. He believed God had called him to do that. And at 40 years old, he didn't want to wait anymore on the Lord's fire, so he tried to create a little fire of his own. And he slayed an Egyptian. And he buried him in the sand. And he had a bounty placed on his hand. And so he fled from his, his land in Egypt and became a fugitive in Midian. And for 40 years, he walked around in desert trying to keep sheep alive. And I don't know if you've ever worked a solitary job like that, but all you got is time and your own thoughts. And there, there, there's no stretch of reason to wonder, did Moses walk around maybe for a year or 20 saying, did I miss it? Because God, God told me I would deliver the people. But when I tried to deliver the people, I got in trouble and the people are still enslaved 40 years later. I must have missed it. But he didn't miss God's word. He missed God's ways. And he missed God's timing. So 40 years later, God gives him a new chance with some fire. We know the burning bush. God commissions Moses back to Egypt. Mo Moses leads the people out of Egypt. But when they get out of Egypt and they're about to go into a land full of paganism, and these people didn't know how to follow God. They, they, look, they didn't even know God. They had heard about God. But we're 400 years into them having an acting uh, participatory covenant with the Lord. Their, their parents didn't know God. Their grandparents didn't know God. Their great-grandparents didn't know God. Their great-great-greats didn't know God. 400 years, and all they knew was the Egyptian gods. And then an old crazy man from the wilderness named Moses says, God sent me on a mission. And so he gets them out of, out of Egypt, and then they don't know how to worship this God and serve this God and honor this God and to remain a distinct people for the glory of this God when they're living and about to live in a pagan land. So God says, Moses, come up here on the mountain. I got some things I need to give you, and you're going to give them to the people. So Moses goes up, and when the people are down there, I want you to picture, see, listen, don't lose your sanctified imagination the older you get, Okay? Think, picture it. It's not a story in a book. It's that real life, Holy Ghost inspired and preserved biblical event that God says, I want you to learn something from. And so the people are at the foot of the mountain and the mountain's shaking, like straight up earthquake, Richter scale stuff. And then smoke, the glory cloud, smoky whatever thing comes down. And from the bottom of the mountain, it's filled with fire. They hadn't seen any of that stuff in Egypt. So it's an all-consuming experience with God. And Moses gets called up into the mountain. So he goes up into the mountain in this first thing in Acts chapter 18 or 19. And he goes up the mountain and God gives him the Ten Commandments. And Moses comes back down the mountain and says, I just heard from God. And he's given me some stuff we're all going to do. And a little time passes, and then we go to Exodus 24, and it's the last verses I'm going to read. Thank you for just a little bit extra time. Because God's fire over a people, if you're not on the mountain, in the glory cloud, in the fire, you're down at the bottom, and all you see is the fire of God all around you, all above you, the ground shaking. And you know Moses is up there having a one-on-one -on -one with the Almighty. And then in chapter number 24... Moses goes back up the mountain. It says, as he did so, the cloud covered the mountain and the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai. 
And the cloud covered it six days. And it's not just the cloud. Remember, chapter 19 tells us it's the cloud and it's the fire. For six days, Moses is up in that mountain in a cloud, glory cloud covered experience. And on the seventh day, God called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of Yahweh was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now walk with me up the mountain with Brother Mo for a minute. He gets invited, by the way. Chapter number 24, God says, Moses, come back up here. So Moses gets a personal invitation from God Almighty to enter into his manifest presence that was earth-shaking, mind-blowing, smoky fire, completely, radically mind-blowing, almost third-heaven dimensional supernatural encounter. And the people are watching, and he goes up there. Now, this is the point I want to say because this is where the waiting comes in. Moses is in the right place. He's right in the presence of God by invitation. Moses is surrounded by the supernatural, divine, manifesting power of God. Fire, glory, smoke, all of it. But the Lord didn't say a word for six days. Moses, the last time he was up in the mountain, walks into the smoke and God says, get your pen ready. I've got some things to dictate. So Moses, by experience, had learned when you're in the presence of God and experiencing the power of God, God's going to be speaking to you. And all the people are looking and clearly the presence of God and they're all seeing it and they're all experiencing it and they're all feeling it. But Moses is in it and God is silent. There have been, let me, let me just, if any of you have a bishop's collar, I'm going to make my confession to you right now. There have been times where I've been at the North Georgia Revival, and I see people getting laid out in the spirit. I see people get healed in these pools. I see people getting prophetic words, and there's unction all in the room. The fire of God. I see people speaking in ecstatic utterances. Some people laid out on their face in the presence of God under the weight of the glory. And I'm standing there saying, are you even knowing I'm in the room? Because I don't hear a thing from you. Now, people don't want to go there, but I'm going there because some of you live there. And everybody around you is experiencing the presence. It feels like everybody is getting touched everybody's getting a word. Everybody's feeling the light. Everybody's experiencing the flame. Everybody is having some manifestation of God as he is clearly working in the room. It's like the Israelites clearly saw God moving. Moses is in the glory cloud. And God's silent. The first day, nothing. Moses knows he's in the right place. He's hearing nothing. Second day, nothing, not a word, not a peep, just clearly looking around saying, I know he's here, but why isn't he talking to me? 
third day. Listen, I don't know what Moses was going through. I just know human nature being what it is, this is what I would have done probably on day three. I would have probably dared to say, am I doing something wrong? Are, have I grieved you? Are you upset? Did I break a, a, a law, a rule, a command? Did I? Are you grieved with me because you called me into this thing? You're all around me, but you ain't talking to me right now. Did I do something? Now, I know none of y'all would ever struggle with something like that, but just me and three people on the back row. Because sometimes, friends, God wants to develop your trust muscle through the workout of his silence. Because I'm going to tell you something. If we are still spiritual babies, grade schoolers, or adolescents, we're constantly crying out, Daddy, 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 Daddy. Make me feel good. Make me feel safe. Make me feel wonderful. Make me feel contained. Make me feel strong. Make me feel like I am something. Tell me something. And sometimes the Lord says, why don't you start believing what I told you the last time? Why, instead of being addicted to your next hit, off of me, why don't you just trust me? I will, Lord, if you'll just keep talking to me. Can't we have a relationship that includes moments of silence? I'll speak to all the, the 50 and up. I'm in that category. You get to a place, and it doesn't even bother you, where you can take your sweetie on a date and it doesn't have to be longingly looking into each other's eyes. You're awesome. I love you. I can't believe you're mine. I'm going to give you everything you've ever wanted. You are fairer than 10,000. And she might look back. Oh, stop for a minute, my love. It is I who am honored to be with you. Of all the men on the planet. And you are mine. Sometimes it's, you going to eat that last chicken wing? Sometimes it's, where are the kids tonight? And sometimes it's just sitting there looking at the woman I love and her looking back at me. And we're totally okay that we don't have to prove our love and commitment to each other by ceaseless chatter. And friends, I just want to tell you, you're, you've been praying to grow in the Lord, some of you. And the Lord says, I'm going to grow you. And part of the way I'm going to grow you is to see if you'll wait on me to talk. He's not doing anything wrong. And I just want to say, some of you are in a season right now, and you're not hearing anything from God. And the devil's sneaking up behind you and saying, you've quenched the spirit. You've grieved the spirit. That sin you committed last month is haunting you. God is mad at you until you do something spectacular or work off that thing. He's put you on timeout, silent treatment. He, he ain't ever going to. And you're starting to believe, maybe even starting to question, did he even call me into this thing with him? Did he even invite me into his presence? Did he even ask me to come up? Sometimes everybody around you, 
And I got people around me, and I, I give the benefit of the doubt. But, man, like, they have a word from the Lord every three hours. And I'm, I'm not necessarily saying it's not true. I'm just saying I don't got that. Now, I can open my Bible and get a word from the Lord anytime I want. But sometimes I don't just need to hear what the Father has said. Sometimes I long to hear what the Father is saying. And it's not that the two are different, but sometimes I need the rhema to flavor the logos. So Moses has got all the fire. But God's not saying anything for six days. But then, it's right there. On the, and on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And I'm going to tell you, just go ahead and read chapter 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, and 31 to 32. God doesn't stop talking. Moses, I'm going to tell you how I want you to build the tabernacle. Moses, I'm going to tell you about the priestly garments. Moses, let me tell you what the ark of my, my presence is going to look at. Moses, there's two craftsmen down in the camp. Recruit them. They're going to build a bunch of stuff for my glory. Moses, let me tell you how justice is going to work in Israel. Moses, let me tell you how I'm going to bring about a distinct culture among my people. And Moses is sitting there after six days of silence. And the Lord says... I'm ready to talk now. You ready to hear? And Moses was. Sometimes the word comes before the fire. Sometimes the fire comes before the word. And here's my question for you on Pentecost Sunday. Are you willing to wait and press in and not waver and be steadfast in the Holy Ghost until both of these things begin to manifest in your life? Because that's what biblical Christianity can look like. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as I invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to get real, real intentional right here. I have several things flowing through me right now. One of them, the Lord spoke to me last Sunday night while I was here. Let's, let's just keep our heads up and our eyes open. How many of you could say, Jeff, right now, I'm in a season by the grace of God where I've got his voice and I've got the fire. Would you lift your hand? You're not bragging. You're just honoring what the Lord's doing. Would you lift your hand? If you've got both the word and the flame moving, God bless you. Those are awesome seasons. Here's what I pray for you. I pray the words of Jesus who said, to the one who has, more will be given. Bless you with more. Bless you with more. Bless you with more of that. How many of you might say, Jeff, Bro, I've got, I've got the fire. I sense God's touch on what I'm doing. But I'm not in a season where I'm really hearing him like I once did. Jeff, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and he's honoring it. But that, that intimacy, that, that longing in my heart just to hear the whisper of the Father over me, I'm missing that. The fire, the touch, that's there. But, but the longing for his voice again. Jeff, I just can't seem to locate his voice. Would you raise your hand if you're in here? Don't you be ashamed. Raise your hand up. Because your hand being raised is a request. Lord, here I am. This is what I'm missing. Lord, I know tonight that you are giving both. 
you can put your hand down. Maybe some of you are saying this. Jeff, I know I got a word from the Lord. And Jeff, I'm in the word. And Jeff, I hear the Lord. And I know what he said to me. But brother, I'm going to tell you something. I feel it's like been nine days in the upper room. And I don't know if I can show back up tomorrow and say, God, I'm coming back again. It didn't happen yesterday or the day before or the day before. But Lord, I'm not going to leave that upper room of intimacy with you. And Lord, I'm not going to come down off the mountain. Although the fire's all around me, God, I see that. But Lord, I need right now. I need you to touch and Lord I need the fire back on my life how many of you would say oh Lord have mercy Lord I need that touch I've got the word I'm believing the word I haven't turned my back on the word but God I need the manifestation your presence and your power on that word you gave me or the word that I carry in my heart. Who's missing that tonight? Raise your hand. Yeah. And listen, like we're fellowship. We're eternal family. We're forever family. How many of my brothers and sisters in here, and I'm going to tell you right off the bat, maybe to empower you and encourage you. I've been in a season like I'm about to describe. How many of you are in a season where there's no voice in, there's no flame, there's just nothing. Would you lift your hand? Don't you dare be ashamed. You're safe in here. Yeah. There's no indictment on you. But my question is, do you still want both? So I'm going to invite all of you with letter A to come up and get ready to be baptized. Do we have team ready back here? Yes, sir, we do. All of you with letter A, I want you to come up because as you come up, you may be coming for healing. You may be coming for relational um, overhaul. You may be coming for deliverance. You can come for whatever you signed up to come from. But while you're under the water, don't be bashful. If you're lacking the fire or you're lacking the word or you're lacking both, when you go under, say, God, reignite the fire and Lord, open up my ear. I want to hear you. Y'all come on up. Let's encourage them as they come. Y'all come on up. I'm going to ask the CFC ministry team, the altar ministry team, CFC altar ministry team, would you come forward? Would you come forward? These are coming to be baptized. The Lord's going to touch y'all in the water. The Lord is not hiding from you. He's not playing peekaboo from you. He did not bring you here to tease you. Believe and receive. Believe and receive. Believe and receive. Now the rest of you, mm, I believe there's going to be some encounter down at the altar tonight. I believe on Pentecost Sunday that there is a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit for many of you. And I think for many of you, that baptism of the Holy Spirit is not going to be primarily about speaking in unknown tongues. That baptism of the Holy Spirit is going to be a reigniting of a flame because that's what the Lord highlighted tonight. Or a re-speaking of a word, a, re, a reinforcing 
of God's compassion, mercy, and desire to communicate with you. But I'm going to tell you something. You can sit back there and you can pray for it, or you can say, I'm going to walk up. Moses walked up the mountain, and those disciples walked up some stairs to an upper room. Sometimes you got to put one foot in front of another instead of laying back and trusting that if a sovereign God wants to do a work in you, he'll do it no matter what you do. Away with that nonsense. Now is the time to press in. And if your hunger level, if your hunger level is churning in you, do something with it. Don't sit until the gnawing subsides. When God stirs the hunger, he'll stir the spirit. And if you'll come and you'll say yes, I believe you'll receive something tonight. Altar ministry team, go for it. Like, go for it. Like, in the name of Jesus, it's Pentecost Sunday. Be a Pentecostal minister. Lay your hands on them. Break and bind and deliver tonight. Go ahead and go for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If they don't know how to speak in tongues, ask them if they want to and believe God will use you to impart that to them. But don't anybody be bashful up in here today. You may be feeling right now, I'm just going to minister to the ministers right now. You may be feeling like you don't have what it takes. I'm going to tell you something. You believe what you have. You believe that you have what it takes. And when they come forward, you put your hands on them and you trust God to do something. So this is what I'm going to do. Matter of fact, I'm going to say, I want the hungriest to come right now. Get out of your seat and come right now. If you have to wait in line, it's better than waiting six days. It's better than waiting three and a half years. Come on. Tell them what you're hungry for. Tell them what you need. If God the Spirit rests on you and the weight of God's glory comes on you and you got to fall, then you got to fall. One's going down right there. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Clear the aisles. Let the people come through. There's a couple down here that aren't praying with people. Our baptism teams are getting ready. Joni, I want you and your team to start singing. You sing whatever the Lord has given you. I believe tonight there's encounter coming. Come, Holy Spirit. Let there be a fresh baptism. Come on. time. 